0: Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, I've come to Santa Anita Racetrack in Los Angeles, one of the great sporting arenas in America. I've come here because Frankie Dettori, one of the great jockeys in history, and certainly the most charismatic, announced his retirement last year in England and went on a farewell tour that was so successful,
1: he's ended up unretiring. A scoop for you guys. I've decided to prolong my career. I'm going to go to the United States for next year, and... Uh... Me. He wanted a new challenge, and he's come here to America to pursue it
0: right here on this track. And he's already having great success. Frankie goes to Hollywood.
1: And I'm gonna be very uncensored.
0: <laughs> that is definitely true. So Frankie, last time I spoke to you, you had retired. Yes. That was it. You were never getting back on a horse competitively again, and yet here I find you <laughs> in Hollywood. <laughs> Frankie's gone to Hollywood. Frankie goes to so Hollywood. So why right? did you change your mind?
1: So basically, <clears throat> I, um, when I started this year, no, sorry, last year, uh, I thought, well, I'm going to be 53, I'm going to stop at the top, obviously. We talked about this before, you know, watching the World Cups, Ronaldo on the bench, and I thought, well, I want to stop. And then people remember, that I was good. I don't want to stop that, you know, I can't get a ride. And then I I said, well, I give myself a year. I want to say goodbye to everyone, all the countries that I've been, including my own Italian country. And then when I started, um, I started winning, and then I thought, well, this is not going to carry on. And then I kept on winning, I kept on winning, and I got to about August and just couldn't stop winning and I, I started having regrets, thinking, you know, am I ready to stop? You know, I'm still uh, in demand. But because I made such a big deal that I was going to stop and everybody else made it such a big deal. It was the greatest farewell tour since yeah. Sinatra. Yeah. He in- kept coming back. Yeah, including including a lifestyle statue, you know, unveiled by Queen Camilla in yeah. Alaska. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, I have to live with myself. And I thought, well, I'm not ready to stop because I'm still doing so well. but. I kind of run out of avenues because it would have been foolish to, to say I would have carried on in, in England after what I said. So I only had one option to come here in California, where I like very much. And uh, it will just give me a little bit extra time to get out of my system. It's a,
0: it's a stunning race, yes. right? I mean, I've had a ho- home in LA for a long time. I've never been here. You come here in the morning. It's early. Only you would get me out of bed this early. And you come and you, the sun was coming up and the magical scene of the Santa Anita track. It's really, it's, it's a magical place. It's
1: amazing, I'll be honest with you. It is probably the, one of the best looking tracks in the world with the mountains in the backdrop. Uh, the track itself is set in a beautiful piece of land. You got these massive palm trees in the middle of it. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, the the, the, the light, I, uh, I mean, if, if that doesn't, your breath away no other tracks will and uh, every morning when i come here i feel like i'm blessed to be, be able to you know enjoy mm. my last bit to my career in such a beautiful place
0: interestingly at the very start of your career you did come here yeah. and you did a couple of years maybe wasn't i did four
1: winters here mm. i came here when i was 16 as a illegal worker i came here on a, on a tourist visa and uh, I mean, the first couple of weeks, I go into the track without getting caught. And then eventually, I, uh, I got caught by security, so I had to use other entrances to get in.
0: When I've spoken to you, we've known each other a long time, uh, about the, the hard reality of being a jockey. Yeah. The amount of injuries mm. you sustain, and this is not even jump stuff. This right. is just flat racing. Talk me through the injuries you've had over the years.
1: Well, first of all, uh, you know we go extra fast. You know we go over forty miles an hour, and you know we, we we actually about six foot off the ground. So and we race inches to each other. So he only Do you takes have any
0: padding at all or
1: not? Yeah, little little padding, but that's not a... because obviously weight is a big issue. Mm. So you can't you can't put a arm uh, like a hammer yeah. around you because it weighs, and uh, so uh, w- one little mistake can. Uh, End up in an in, in accident, and, and when you when you go that fast at that speed, you break. Uh, you know, we were talking about. I mean, I'm. I, I feel like I'm one of the blessed ones. I did. You know, you know, I broke my ankle twice, both for my elbows. I broke my collarbone. I broke my shoulder, uh, ribs, fingers, and I feel like you know, I'm actually I, I did all right. It's really? Of, yeah. There's a lot of people in my sport that that that, that, that broke a lot more. Uh, I mean, when you start this job. The, the smell, the speed, the adrenaline, the crowd, the excitement gets you sucked into this sport. You never feel or think about the danger. You know? I mean, if you knew where you were going to fall, you wouldn't do it because mm. it is dangerous. But, yeah. but what I said to you just now, the, 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 the highs overpower the laws of getting injured and, and, and messing yourself up. You know, like I said, when you... When what was you,
0: the toughest injury you had? Uh,
1: tough injuries, I mean, they're all tough, you know, because... What the, was the
0: hardest to get back from?
1: Well, uh, Shoulder. Well, I broke my ankle, hmm. that uh, took took a long time because obviously you need your ankle to, to, to balance in the stirrups. Shoulder again, that, that, that fixed quickly, but then the pain is, was there for a year. Hmm. Uh, you know, every injury is, is bad because, like every sportsman will tell you, we always try to come back earlier than it should have done, because you don't want to miss out, you know, because the longer you stay off, then, you know, you're, you're in danger of missing out on a, on a good horse. And how much, biggers. you've had
0: 3,000 yeah. winners, you've had th- three decades of, of racing. About that. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible <laughs> stats. 30, right?
1: 30, this is my 37th year, can you imagine?
0: How much of that percentage-wise have you spent in some
1: form of pain? Uh... You get used to it, I can't really don't know much percentage. If you were guessing? I would say a quarter of it. Really? Yeah, a quarter of my career. You know, then you always had some sort You're of... something. Yes, but you, you, you don't think like that because, you know, the, the, it's always a ga- dangling carrot. It's mm. always a big race coming up. It's always that chance that you will win a big race somewhere, and that kind of is the best, best painkiller in the world.
0: The other really tough physical demand yeah. of, of racing is your weight. Yes. What is your fighting weight? What's your best weight? Would you
1: say? I uh, in America, yeah, I ride uh, at uh, 118 pounds. Mm. What is the equivalent of a uh, stone uh, six mm. in uh, in English pounds? About half a Morgan. Yes. <laughs> uh, I would say my body weight be a stone than that. I'd probably be about. 9, 10 if I eat on normal life, but... Uh,
0: so what do you have to do to hit that, that racing I
1: uh, Basically, I, I train myself not to eat bad things for the last 30 years. The average
0: I, day, what, what would I you I don't consume?
1: eat bread, I don't eat junk food. Uh, I have a little snack in the morning and just try to have one meal in the evening. Uh, mainly uh, protein, uh, salads, fish, chicken. You know, I don't eat meat very often, but it depends on people. Uh, but, you know, I, you know, I won't be lying to you. I sometimes have a piece of chocolate or, no. you know, I probably have one bowl of pasta every three months. Uh, you know, I train every day to keep my weight down. Uh, you know, it, it is, it's a lifestyle. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a it, lifestyle. It's a big sacrifice. It's a it? big sacrifice. And For 37 uh, years. Yeah. And, be, I, you know, it sounds funny, but I, even when I do have time off, uh, I always go and reach for a chicken Caesar salad. Mm. You never see me eat a burger or... Really? Because I, I think my body now can't take it anymore.
0: Can you drink alcohol or not?
1: I like wine because I'm Italian, yes, but in moderation. But like I said, my body is now used to not having those kind of uh, rich food that... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, now that I'm finishing my career, I'm finding it easier. Maybe because, you know, uh, I have a routine, I don't go out as much. Uh, that's why California suits me. I mean, everything shuts up here, right? It well, does, yeah. But, uh, you know, I guess 10 years ago and I wanted to go out every night, did not suit me, but. You've talked before
0: about being bulimic at various yes. stages.
1: I did 10 years of being bulimic, yes. Uh, I guess in my, between my 30s and 40s. And you would throw up before races, isn't it? Yeah, before you know, I would have a meal at night and throw up, or sometimes I would have a big breakfast and throw up, but. I didn't do it because I wanted to do it. I did it because you know the skill doesn't lie. It was a, a way of lifestyle that I chose to, to have. You know, no different to, I guess, models have the same problems. So or teenage kids, they want to be I think
0: you said you do. You, you had to use lots of yeah, laxatives, everything, yes. diuretics, everything. I tried
1: everything. I tried uh, uh, diuretic pills, mm. laxatives, uh, made myself sick. I remember driving car with a sweatsuit with the heaters on. You know, I, you know, you try, you try extremer things in, in your job because you have to do the weight. I don't think anybody will, has done what I've done and people, start, people still do it. They actually choose that because they like it. Mm. It's because they have to do the weight. Simple as that.
0: I mean, it's, it's a phys- physically very hard sport. Yes. I don't think most people realize until yeah. they listen to someone like you talk about it. Just how physically demanding but it first is. first
1: of all, like we, we explained, is is the diet. Mm. Then you have to have, you have to be ultra fit because in the space of a day you can ride six or eight races, right. and you know you you're handling a thousand pound worth of absolute explosive flesh. Mm. I mean, these horses are powerful, mm. and you have to control them, and uh, so that's a physical demand. The diet, and, and then also the injuries. You know what I mean? Like when you do have the injuries. Uh, you have to cope with that. So overall, I mean, I didn't sell it very well, right? If you want to become a <laughs> jockey.
0: Well, I think it's the reality of it, right? <laughs> and that is
1: the reality, but you know, we, we do it because you know, we're addicted to it. We, that so
0: feeling, I mean, I watched a tape last night yeah. preparing for this interview. When you went through the card at yes, Royal right. and won all seven races, only time anyone's ever done that. And the last race, you're on a horse where you don't think you got a chance of winning. What's the name of the horse? Pujama Crest. Right. And you're 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 leading, but Pat Edery's coming behind. You, you can hear, hear him. You can hear his whip. I could and hear. And you him. think he's going to be, he's going to be, and there's somehow you, you get a second win with this horse, and it and it wins. That moment when you cross the line and you you'd gone through the card it at Royal What is that like? What's that feeling like?
1: Well, you, you get that feeling of basically it's like um, everything when you cross that line, everything just goes in slow motions. You just you know you you know you're just galloping on top of this source. you have time to look at a crowd and everybody's going ballistic they only last for a few seconds and you're back to real life and it's you know it's, in a way it's very selfish it's, it's an emotion that nobody can you can never explain mm-hmm. I mean like I said n- never mind the dangers but the, the you know the crowd the smell the speed the excitement and 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 you cross that line and the euphoria what hits you is incredible. That's and that's why you get addicted, and that's why I do it. Because and is that always, why you
0: can't really give it up? You
1: yes. You know, obviously, it'd be much easier if I if I didn't get a chance of winning that many. Or... You don't need the money,
0: right? I mean, you've no, made, exactly, but you've you made d- enough money not to worry about. Yeah, that.
1: but you do it because you love it. Because otherwise, it's it's hard to let go. You know, I I. I got great sympathies for other sportsmen that 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 had to stop. I mean, I stopped for a week and I didn't like it. So you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I know 53 sounds a big number, but I still feel that I'm still competitive, even though then I'm racing with jockeys 30 years younger than well, me. Well,
0: how many of them actually? weren't even alive when you started? I would say 70%.
1: Really? <laughs> it was crazy, right? That's, cr- that's nuts. <laughs> it's crazy. And how do they treat you? Uh, the tr- it's funny because now you're, we call it the the, the, the jocks room. Well, right? I love
0: this jockey room. This, so is, this is amazing. Bit of
1: this place is timeless. You can come here at 16 mm. or 53. We're all the same age. It's only when you step out of there that you feel your age. But when you come here, It's great banter, we all treat each other the same, and uh, if you do something wrong, everybody jumps on you. What about
0: this? Because I always think in any sport, what differentiates the good from the great is is a mental thing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and that comes with experience. Uh, Nobody is born with that great mindset, Uh, experiences of life, uh, circumstances, emotions. Uh, You know, when when you're young, you have emotions, but you don't know how to deal with them, right? Uh, So as you get older, you deal with emotions. With um, when you know when you get butterflies, when you're nervous. You know, I'm I'm no different to anyone. Even in my age, I still get a dry mouth. You know, Uh, if I ride a favorite, big race, I'm the first one to tell you. Of course, I'm nervous, but nervous is good because now I know how to deal with it. Mm. Uh, But you can't teach that. You 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 got to. Learn it you've also got in, to have, is,
0: yes. in your sport in particular, a ferocious work ethic, right? I mean, you have to. Yeah.
1: You can't wing it, can you? No, you can't. Uh, physically, you've got to be ultra-fit. You've got to put your own work, mm. and then. But also, you've got to have that natural touch. Mm. You know, you can work as much you you can, but you got sometimes you got to let things happen. You got to use your natural instincts. Mm. You cannot predict how the race is going to go, or no striker can predict how he's going to score but you gotta use your natural ability. And that's the difference from, you know, being a normal jockey or to be a superstar. You know, and it applies the same to any other sport. You know, when you see geniuses like Messi, uh, you know, they, they do things that, I don't think they- Who do you most admire in other sports? Oh, I admire all the sports. You know, obviously I'm a big football supporter. Uh, I even admire the boxers, the work the, the ethic they have to put up. Uh, the rugby players. You know, I, I don't know too much about cricket, but you know, sometimes you see, uh, like, like the World Cup this year was. You know, I know India got beat, but it was an amazing game. You know, I like all these great sporting sporting events, and as you know, the Super Bowl is coming up. That's yeah. be another amazing event.
0: You've had two moments in your life since you became a professional jockey, which could have ended everything. One, your own fault, and I'll come to that in a moment. This, the first one, though, was the plane crash, yeah. which is really one of those moments in your life Miracle. where it was a light aircraft. You were going from one race course to another. The pilot very sadly died. You were with your great friend and manager Ray Cochran at the time. You both managed to get out uh, just before it all went up in, in flames. What do you remember about what happened that
1: day? Well, I remember about, um, in a nutshell, you know, I, I can explain it, um, it'll take hours, but basically, on takeoff, something went wrong. A plane went down, and... What were you
0: feeling as it went down?
1: Well I felt when I was down? I, I looked at Ray, and as I was staring, as the ground was approaching, I didn't have time to scream, and I was just disappointed that I was going to die. I, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm 29 years old. I just had a six-month child. Why are you taking me now? I was just disappointed. Why now? You know what i mean? I, was, I got so much to look forward in life. That's all I felt. You really thought you were about to die? <coughs> That's it. No two questions about it. And some, some miracle. What
0: the, was the landing like?
1: When the, it, when some it... miracle. Well, the, the wing of the plane clipped this bank. What made the plane rotate? Anyway, anyway never, never mind that. So it was... Just like an enormous speed in a washing machine, don't what happened. Can, f- can you remember that? Yeah, it? I remember the impact, and then uh, I obviously my skin on my forehead went all the way back, so my blood was pouring in front of my face, and I was in a state of uh, concussion, I guess, mm. where I had 180 vision. I could see the two planes, two engines on fire, and I saw the pilot. Ench down in front, but I couldn't move. I was just paralyzed. I just couldn't, I, I knew that I had to get out, but I could not move. And then Ray gave me a nudge, It was next to me and he, he kind of woke me up. And I realized that I broke my leg. And when I went to get out, you know, it was a six seater twin engine. The, the plane was like in bits, the, the door didn't exist anymore. And luckily for us, the luggage door was just in the back of the seat, was half open. And as I crawled out, I realized that I had a broken leg. Ray pushed me out. Then he crawled out and he dragged me away from here to the end of the room. And then and he was
0: concerned that because so much fuel was on the yeah, plane and then, that he could all and go and up.
1: And then he tried, he took his jacket off and he tried to go back for the pile and the plane exploded. And he was burned from head to toe. Uh, And it was, you know, I couldn't, I could hear him yelling of anger because he couldn't get the pilot out. So, you know, it was a trauma for me. Uh, I lost my good friend, my pilot. Mm. I was lucky twice lucky to be alive, the crash, and lucky to be alive, then Ray got me out of that plane. I couldn't be burned alive. You know, it took me 17 years to get back on the plane. Um, Did you really? Yeah, I mean, I was scarred, and even now when I get
0: how long between you getting out of the wreckage and it going up was it seconds? You- really? Seconds.
1: So you were seconds from just yeah. From I mean, imagine the the, the two wings playing plane full of fuel. Seconds. So
0: Ray saved your life. He did, yeah,
1: yeah, and saved my life, and I owe him my life. And I when he, when he had big neck problems after the crash, so I told him to quit racing, and he became my manager for twenty years. So, Do you ever talk about it together? I, Ray never talked about it. We talked about it 20 years after. Really? Yeah, we had a toast together. Uh, Ray's a very deep man. He, you know, yeah, never talked about it. And I'm now going personal. always talked about it. He never he kept it to himself. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it's... You, you can't explain what we've been through. Uh, and there is ways... To deal with it perhaps i should have seek help but you know, i had good family around me but, and you know well here you know, i am i shouldn't be here here we go it's an extraordinary story mad mad, yeah twice
0: and i read that um, that later you were thinking you were 29 you were thinking you'd always wanted as an ambition a young italian <laughs> right. to buy a ferrari it's right. and you just thought well what am i waiting for great. Right. I could have died just then, I, no, and you went and myself, bought a Ferrari. I
1: said to myself, when I get to 30, if I've got enough money, i would love to get a Ferrari being an Italian. And at 29 and a half, after I got out of the hospital, as soon as I could walk a little bit, I went to get myself one. I thought, you know why? And, you know, it, it did change my life. In, you know, I would say, I was, if I, that didn't happen, I probably would have been more successful in my career. But, you know, I've become... Why? Because you spent because more time was, with family? And... Yeah, I was more focused and I, didn't, I was total vision. But after that, you know, family, you know, I've got five children. Yeah. Uh, you know, I juggle life and riding and try to get the boost of both worlds. And, you know, a lot of times you think, you know, why should you get upset? You know, after this, what happened to me, a lot of things really don't really matter, you know.
0: The other thing that could have ended everything for you professionally was when you tested positive for cocaine in 2012, and you really struggled for quite a long time, yeah. 18 months, to get another good ride. You thought maybe that's it. That was a self-inflicted wound. Yeah. When you look back at that, I mean, obviously, fortunately, you had a, a sort of savior who came along and picked you up yeah. and said, "Right, I'm going to I'm going to back you."
1: So uh, basically, yeah. Oh, look, I was a silly boy, you know went out, took some drugs, got tested a week later, and it was in my system, you know, I wasn't doing it because it was right, it was a more recor- recreational. And yeah, quite rightly so, I admitted it, I got six months banned, took my family out of school, we went around the world because you know, obviously, they were getting bullied, they were getting picked out of school, you know, you know, I had paparazzi outside my house. How did that
0: make you feel that you brought that on everyone?
1: Not great. Hmm. Uh, I think the biggest disappointment is telling my own parents uh, How did they react? Not great, my, parents, my dad being old-fashioned. Um, kids, you know, they thought it was quite funny having paparazzi outside there to smuggle me in and out of the car with a blanket. Uh, we had a good time together around the world, and, um, you know, I served my time, but did my six months, I came back, and I thought, well, everything's gonna be on on Kidori, come back, but, you know, obviously, nobody would touch me, you know, uh, you know for some reason. You said
0: you felt like a leper. Yeah,
1: like a... I mean, I took it, in, you know, it took me, I just couldn't get a ride for uh, for about a year, and then um, yeah, I got to a point a year later. Um, I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I thought, well, I've got no other choice. You know, I can't I can't get any business, so maybe I have to look to do something else. Maybe in, what would you uh, have done if you hadn't just been there? A- probably maybe going to the media. Mm. Uh, but you know, I wasn't ready to quit. You know, I, you know. How I, were you feeling in that wilderness I, period? I felt terrible. I felt terrible, and. You know, and then uh, the worst thing was, you know, even my wife started doubting me, you know. She said to me the famous word, show me how good you are. Really? One day, you know, we were struggling to pay bills and things were going bad and we all end up in an argument. And um, and she turned around and said, you know, all your life you're telling me how good you are. Look at us now, we can't pay bills, just show me how good you are. And wow, that was, that, that's I, a moment. And that was like you know somebody shot me in the heart, right? Mm-hmm. You know, coming from my own wife, and that really got me phew, fired right up. And I just said nothing, and I put my head down, and I persisted, I carried on, carried on, and 18 months later, a year later, I goes and win the Epsom Derby on Golden Horn, and with a massive party at home, few drinks with friends. That feeling
0: when he crossed the line and he won the dollar. Oh, that
1: was amazing, the feeling. But, but the, the feeling was when I got home and I, we did the party. Did was, you say
0: to your wife, that's how good I am.
1: <laughs> so basically, when everybody left the house and we were sitting there <laughs> and I said, do you remember what you said to me a year ago? I said, that's it. I said, don't ask me again. I've done it now. So that was it. So, but you what, know, what did she say? She said that at the time, I needed something like that. to. Yeah. to, to you probably to, did. To make, me believe or to give me a push. And yeah, I mean, those famous words, show me how good you are. <laughs> they, they, they imprinted in my house, trust me. That's an amazing story. Mad. But, you know, I think, so, you know, sometimes we all need someone to, to, to touch that nerve. Yes. You know, and fire uh, you up again. And that's, at, at the time, that's what I needed. And, you know, who better person than your own wife who knows me so well to, to just, you know, and she said, you know, I just needed to say that. And, and it worked. How anyway.
0: important has she been, Catherine, to you?
1: Well, you know, she's been with me 30 years. I mean, I feel sorry for her that I brought her through this crazy life, you know, never mind self-inflicting stupid things that I've done, plane crashes, mm. nearly kill myself every day worried that I couldn't end up in hospital when I arrived. You know, it, it must be a worry for, for a woman to marry somebody like me, but she stuck with me, we had some amazing times together, and you know, she's been so good
0: to me. Do you remember when you proposed to her?
1: I did, yeah. I was in Scalini, one of my favorite Italian restaurants in London, and uh, yeah, it was a nice afternoon in London, and I got a money, I remember everybody in the w- restaurant. In the restaurant, everybody stood up and clapped. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was, sweet. it was did you sweet. You have a ring? <laughs> I did have the ring. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, I was told because I'm not English, I was told that to go and see the father. Then I went to see Catherine's dad the night before, and I got a f- full lecture from his father. And how I, did you
0: sell yourself to him?
1: Well, I said, "Listen, I came to ask the hand of your daughter." And he sat me down. and said, "Listen." He said, uh, before you st- start this, she's going to finish her your studies. You're going to look after her. Give me a proper <laughs> wash down, proper good English mm. wash down. But yeah, great. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, five kids.
0: What's the so, secret to a lasting marriage? Do you
1: think uh, I think we don't live in each other's pocket. Um, she lets me get on with what I have to do. She's been ultra busy with children. Uh, and we meet in the middle you know we have our own things that we like and you know she just gives me free range to be what i have to be you know uh, you know i'm sure man of the races that's what i am and she just lets me do you know what i have to do what is very important that to have that backing <laughs>
0: The other family that you've been very attached to is the royal family, Yeah, who love you, yeah. you love them. Um, particularly, you had an amazing relationship mm. with Her Majesty the Queen, the late great Queen. When did you first meet her?
1: Do you remember? Of course I did. I, probably thir- I know I, I knew for 30 years. Back in the days when I was in my early 20s, I used to ride for a trainer called Ian Bolden, and Ian Bolden had most of the Queen's horses, and uh, so that's how... That's how I met her, and uh, you know, even 30 years that I met her. Every time I met her, nervous wreck. She had this horror, but she mm. always had the ability to, to make you feel, to make you feel uh, good. Uh, so I tell you a funny story. I won, I won a big race 15 years ago. And it was a Sunday, so after racing, I I had a big party. It was a lovely spring day. And I left all the doors open. I had dogs. And 200 people turned up. We had an amazing party. And I woke up the next day, and the house was destroyed, full of bottles. And and I realized I lost one of my dogs, but she had a tag. And it was a message on the answer machine. And the message said, hi, we found your dog. Please call us back on this number. And the lady who found the dog was uh, Caroline Warren, the Queen Racing Manager's wife. Mm. So I rang Caroline and said, hi Caroline, sorry, but I heard that you have my dog, can I come and collect it? And she said, listen, if you come this evening, uh, the Queen's coming to Newmarket to see the horses in the morning, so you can say hi to the Queen and pick up the dog. I went, Great idea. So my wife's in the in the courtyard, she's cleaning the ponies, and I opened the window and said, honey, I found the dog. <laughs> and she said, where is the dog? Oh, the queen's got it. She said, don't be silly. No, no, I swear the queen's got it, I'm going <laughs> to pick it up tonight. So my daughter got dressed up, we went to get the dog, and, uh, and there she was. She was having a gin and tonic next to the fire. And I had a gin and tonic with her, and she spent 20 minutes talking to my daughter about about ponies, and about school. And then uh, they let the dog out. The dog ran towards me and peed in the Persian (laughs) carpet. In front of the Queen. In front of the Queen, of John Warren. And uh, the Queen started laughing, and John got really... Red face, got really upset, and that moment, I got escorted out and said, <laughs> uh, we got to have dinner now, you better go thank you, <laughs> about it. <laughs> but the queen was just c- creased laughing. She was so funny to be around. She
0: also had an amazing can... knowledge of, oh, of horse there. racing. This wasn't someone who did it as like a little mild hobby. She, oh, 60 she years. knew everything, right? Yes,
1: six years. Listen, it's incredible. She wrote till she was in the 90s around Windsor, in Windsor Park. Mm. And yeah, of course, she bred horses for six years. You rode fifty winners for her? Yeah, I rode over fifty winners. Yeah, amazing.
0: Did it always feel a little bit extra special when you won a race for the queen? But look,
1: you know, when you when you got her colours in the peg like that, there was already excitement, you know, and you know, amazing place, royal, you know. I mean, she she was racing. The family started racing three hundred years ago, King Charles the first, three hundred fifty years ago. So racing is in the blood and. She had so much knowledge and she loved that. She absolutely loved racing.
0: Didn't you used to occasionally try a Cockney accent with her?
1: We tr- you know, she used to, g- <laughs> I, tr- I tried, but didn't go very well, but. What uh, was it you said to her? Uh, how are you? <laughs> 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 but I said. What did she uh, say? She said to me, I'm still here. <laughs> 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 I'm, uh, usually she's bow and say, your majesty, but I kind of froze and I went, how are you? <laughs> and she went, I'm still here, but she was, she was. Uh, what would she talk
0: about just generally when you saw her?
1: Everything. She liked to hear the gossip about the inside gossip. Ooh, you know, you know which train I was going out with. All really? The, yeah, all the, in the <laughs> juicy gossip. Really? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was very interested about that. And, you know, she, she, she just loved to be around racing people.
0: When she died, it yes. was a huge moment for the country, yeah. you're, you're a kind of anglicized Italian, mm. you're Italian, but you've obviously spent a lot of time in England. What what was that moment like for you? How did you hear that she died?
1: Well, I saw uh, the last time I saw her was a royal ascot, and she obviously quite frail, she couldn't get up, up and down the stairs, and they made the little room next to the paddock, so she could watch the racing, and to a point, I nearly took the horse inside that little booth, to show the horse. And yes, and you know, for, for, you, know you always feel she's immortal. Mm. And when it does happen, is a shock. You know, because I felt she was immortal. Mm. And I remember we were meant to race at Doncaster that night and uh, race got canceled quite rightly so. Yeah, and it just. How did you hear? I think we just heard. On the radio, I think, or from a phone call, and uh, yeah, just I felt quite emotional. When yeah, I... it was just comes kind of a shock, mm. real shock. Like I said, because you know, I always felt that she was immortal, and you know, we mo- we lost a great person, uh, great monar- monarch. Well, a great person, and you know, I'm the first one to say that I met her for thirty years. Mm. You know, she really touched me, the way she made you feel, and the way she was and, you know, I'm not the only one. I mean, I would say millions of people feel the same.
0: But actually very few would have had the access you did. Yeah. All that kind of relationship because she loved horse raiding, racing almost as much as anything else in her life.
1: Yeah, you know, probably saw it on the other side of it. I mean, a lot of times I saw her in in events and she would make a a detour to find somebody into racing because she kind of find that exciting. Uh, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky, and and also, the new king. You know, I mm. I was, you know, I I never really met King Charles like I did this year. Mm. You know, he came to the Royal Ascot five days straight. To a point on day five, I actually I was invited to have lunch, at Windsor Castle on day five, and I did the the the, the ride on the carriage, and uh, he turned around to me and said. Um, you know, my, my my mom would have been proud to see me race in five days straight. <laughs> so I think we got him interested in horse racing, yeah. and and it's good because I, it's nice to keep the tradition. And especially now that we are in this jockeys' room, I feel very proud that he's beginning to enjoy enjoy racing.
0: You recently went to the jungle in Australia. No, in I'm a celebrity. <laughs> you were the first to be kicked out of there, which I think is probably a blessing. I don't know why you might have to too. Me too, me too. But It's <laughs> like At least you haven't got to stay in there with these. Was it even a remotely an enjoyable experience or is it just as awful as I imagine it is?
1: Well, it was ex- exactly what I thought. You know, you've got to have a, a, a mindset. And if you got a chink in your arm or any weaknesses, it's going to find you. Mm. You know, um, it's hostile where we are. You, you sleep in a bench, uh, you eat rice and beans. The, dongy or the toilet, I used to call it, is all on the ground more or less. Um, the humidity and the loneliness, you know, because you're there by yourself. Mm. Okay, well, you're with other people. But you go, no watch, no contact from the outside world. How did you outside.
0: feel about being the first to, to leave?
1: I don't really know what was televised on TV because mm. I was there 24 hours yeah. and they cut it down into one hour. And talking to the people outside, the you know, broad interested in politics, Nigel Farage, mm. or people arguing—you know—I'm not, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. I, w- I had a great time in there, but they, they, they never air showed all the fun times mm. than I had. You know, they were more interested about what Nigel Farage or Britney Spears' mm. sister were going to say. Of course, know. they weren't. They, really. they didn't yeah. care what a jockey were going to say. Yeah. But so, <laughs> but you know, it was an experience, and I've done it. I ticked that box, and that's it. You also were
0: named in the top six nominees mm. for the Sports Person of the Year on the BBC, a very prestigious, and you've won it uh, many years ago. Uh, to be in the top six when you're 53 years old, of the top six sports people in Britain, is think, pretty incredible,
1: huh? I think the only one uh, born when I started riding was to abroad. Yes. All <laughs> the others weren't even born. <laughs> it's quite scary, yeah. I, amazing, obviously, this late in my career, mm. And also racing is not a football, cricket, no. tennis, rugby sport followed or like the Olympics. So it's a great privilege for me to be nominated and also for my sport, you know, because I promote myself. I also like to promote my sport.
0: How did you feel about a, a member of the women's Lionesses team winning, given they actually hadn't had a very good year? Yeah, they I lost mean, the World <laughs> Cup. They didn't qualify for the Olympics, and they still won it, having won it the year before.
1: Maybe I should lose a bit more to get <laughs> to get in the top three.
0: Well, should, it, should it only go to people who've actually won something that year? Yeah,
1: I, I, listen, felt I, that. I, I, I I saw your podcast. Mm. You did. I, you know, I, I I I agree with you. But you know, even Stuart Broad, I mean, amazing. It's last year. He's yeah. won everything, and and he didn't win it either. But it's what people. Uh, watch or like so but i'm, but are I, we, are I'm we not becoming
0: frankie a country which has moved from celebrating great champions and winners to now we we almost celebrate losing that's what it feels to me we've moved as a society from a really the underdog yeah.
1: yeah but i don't not even the underdog just okay you've lost we're going to give you a participation prize yeah. right well perhaps perhaps so you know i must say all those six nominees including myself i mean you know, we all had done something great, but uh, you know, it's, it's down to the public to decide. And, uh, and I'm, I'm not bitter, like I said, already been nominated, I feel like a winner.
0: What's been the greatest accolade for you? You've won so many things. Mm. What's the one that meant the most to you?
1: Well, I'll be honest with you, uh, my biggest achievement, obviously, winning seven races in a day. But overall, you know, being on top of my game for 30 years, though, you know, it's hard enough to do it for 10. So to do it for 30, I can sit here and be proud of it, that, uh, you know, I'm still competitive at 53. So,
0: How long do you think you can realistically continue for?
1: How <laughs> long is a piece of string? It's it's going to
0: be st- like Sinatra, just keep retiring and coming well, back. Well, no,
1: listen, I'm not going to. I feel like uh, this, is, this is my last bit of my career here in California. I enjoy it. You know, if you can get one or two more years out of it, it'd be great. But in my sport, you never know. Uh, you know, uh, fingers crossed that I don't have any accident and I'm still competitive enough and uh, if you can get, like I said, another one or two years, it'd be great. Piece of piece. Do you like America? Love it. What, what do you like about it? Uh, I feel a bit f- freer than I am in, in England. I don't s- sound spoiled, but OK, I'm famous on the race track, But I can step out, paint my toenails, or wear a miniskirt, nobody cares. No, <laughs> Are but, you doing that? No, I don't do that. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you, that's the difference, right? In, in England, you in Europe, you get judged what you wear or what you do. Mm. You're always looking yourself behind. That's the difference that I find a bit more uh, relaxing.
0: You. I have a very competitive dad. He was a champion yeah. jockey many times himself. Gave you a hard time when you still were young. Still is. Still gives you a hard 82, time. 82,
1: he still is. He <laughs> still tells me what should I should have done, and, you know, which gap I should have took. Really? Oh, obviously, my dad was a jockey, professional jockey. Yeah, very successful. Very successful, so I, I can't pull a wall over his eyes because you know exactly what I did right or you wrong. You were
0: quite, from what I've read, you were quite a sort of shy, retiring yes, young kid, right? You weren't this charismatic no, thunderball. And your first race, uh, you, you, your dad gave you a pony, you had a first race, you came last and you fell off after the finishing line. That's round. right. When that happened, did you ever imagine in your wildest thoughts that you might end up as one of the no. great jockeys in history?
1: No, absolutely not. I was a uh, quiet, nice, uh, non-ambitioned person. Then my dad kicked me out of home. He didn't kick me out, he sent me to England. But it was like being kicked out yeah. because like, I couldn't speak English. I going to a different country. I was getting bullied. The, the weather, the food, everything else was different. And, uh, but that, that manned me up. And also, I didn't want to embarrass my dad. So it made me work extra hard. And then the writing started. I realized that, oh, maybe I'm quite good. And then it snulled out of my control. I started winning, and then from a little ball, it became a big ball, and then I became what I am now. But I never started with the ambition that I was going to be great. When you I, ride now, there's a little part it. of
0: you still trying to prove a point to your dad? Oh, yes.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. My dad is, uh, I don't think my dad has ever said, Well done. Really? Never. No, no, no. Never? Never. I don't think he has. Even word. when you no, won just, the seven races, He might just, just as a grunt. Now, when I, when well, even when you went through the car? When I asking? won the seventh race, and I asked her, guess what? I turned around to my mum He said, oh, I think the Teletext is broken because Frankie's won all seven. He couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't believe it. But did he congratulate No, he didn't. No, no, no. Are you no, serious? No, of course, I'm serious. That's Dad. That. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, doesn't... You know, if he says nothing, it means well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Are you like that with your kids? Completely the opposite. Spoil, I give him everything. Uh, yeah, completely the opposite to my dad. But you know, but, but despite, that's, despite that's the, the old, way he
0: is, your generation, do you think that, that that work ethic, that will to win, the competitive spirit, all of that, do you think in the end, you've got a lot of your success because of the way your dad?
1: Was? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I, I'm I'm I've I stopped now asking him because I always end up arguing with him. I says, Dad, you push me and you brainwash me to become a champion. You know, what about, especially my sport, if I free through my career, I would have broke my knee and stopped riding. I would have felt inside, I would have felt a loser. You know, and he turns out, he says, well, I can't answer that, look, you're a champion. Yeah, but what, you know, mm. he never gave a thought about something beyond your control that could happen. Mm. But you know, but isn't I, that a champion mentality? Yeah, but it's, it's probably is. But you know, I got to, some way got to thank him to make me think like that. But it's something that I can't do to my children. Mm. Maybe because I'm new generation. Maybe because I'm soft. I just can't do it. But you know, what was your mother
0: or she been like with you? Sorry, has your mother been? Different oh my mum,
1: she's uh, like mothers. You know, loves me. My 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 dad's super tough.
0: Uh, what was your mother's proudest moment? Do you think maybe when you got the M-
1: MBE from the Queen? Um, listen, my mum, she's you know proud, you know everything that I do. You know she's a typical mama. She just wants to cuddle me and feed me, and you know. Uh, you know my, my dad. Yeah, I th- look, my, my dad is proud too. He you know, obviously doesn't show it, but but you know like like what you said at that point. If it wasn't for him pushing me, I would never be here because I didn't have it in me. Have it, you pointed
0: out to him that you've now? continue for two years longer than him.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> no. I don't want to rub it in. <laughs> Listen, no, his, the dad is 82. Um, luckily, he's still with me. Uh, his brain is good. Obviously, he's a bit frail, but, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm keeping him alive by him watching me still ride. So, it's good. It's good. That, a, lo- uh, a
0: lovely story, Frankie, about you is the, the seventh
1: ride you had at Ascot, yes. when you went through the car. You ended up keeping that horse as a pet so basically Fujama crest also won the 7 he ended up going jump racing and uh, and i think he had a pelvis injury so it was going to end up god knows so i rang the trainer and i said could i please buy off him and uh, i took him home and became my pet for 20 years he was he lived in the field and he was the horse who made me famous he was the horse who yeah. won the 7th race and you know i gave him a good life until the very end and he, you know, he passed away one day in the field. He didn't suffer, he just, you know, he lived a ripe old age till he was about 25. That's a lovely story. Yeah. Well, I owe it to him, you right? he made me famous.
0: Finally, if I could have the power to let you relive mm. any race in your entire mm. career, Great. on any horse, again, right now, mm. you can do it right out on that track,
1: which one would you choose? Very hard to say. Um, You only have one. I would say because it's fresh in my mind. This year's Champion Stakes, my everlast ride in England, on my retirement day, the day that the Queen unveiled my statue, i win the Champion Stakes. I couldn't wrote it. I don't think, not even Hollywood could have wrote the finale. So I would say that, Pierce.
0: How would you like to be remembered? If you could write your own tombstone, here lies Frankie Dettori. He,
1: I've had fun along the way, um, uh, and uh, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I, I've I've did my job with a smile in my face.
0: Um, and we're both Arsenal fans. Absolutely, we're going through a very tough period know, right now. I know. I know. We have I can't won,
1: fix that. We haven't won the Premier
0: League since 2004. <laughs> I know. You're a miracle worker. Do you see any prospect we can do it this year?
1: Yeah, we still got three weeks. If we buy a nice centre-forward, yes. I think we
0: can. we got to have a winner, a striker. Come on. A killer. Come on. Like we got you.
1: F- three weeks left. Come on. <laughs> You've got plenty of time to buy one. <laughs>
0: Frankie, great to Thank see you, you in Pierce. Hollywood. Thank you, Piers. All the best. <laughs>